so I don't know if those of you who have been following the journey of Nabil Qureshi, uh, he's a former Muslim, he's a Christian apologist now, convert to Christianity, sort of a rising star in the apologetics conversation. He's been in a terrible battle with cancer. I think maybe he has stomach cancer. And uh, I've been following his video blogs. They're on YouTube. And, you know, he's going through all the normal procedures uh, for medical treatment. And uh, But recently, I think it was in about November, mid to late November, early December, he posted a video blog about some prophetic words that he had received uh, for healing uh, from a couple of ladies who were giving prophetic words. And then he was coming down or coming over here to California to give the December commencement address at my old college at Biola University uh, for the December graduation. And he had mentioned on his video that he was going to try to get to Bethel Church up in Reading, which is not an easy place to get to. You have to be fairly intentional going to Reading. And it, it was interesting because um, when Nabil posted his video blog after his time at Bethel, I thought his um, statements about it were interesting, and I, I'm going to share why. Um, because he, he went there and he, he said, you know, I just found a lot of very sincere Christians there. I uh, didn't see anything overly concerning. Um, and uh, that, that struck me as to how uh, polarizing the reactions were that here's this guy, he's got stomach cancer, he's going through the normal medical treatments, but he's also inquiring of the Lord about whether supernatural healing might be a possibility for him and uh, had somebody give him a prophetic word about that. Anyways, I wanted to make some observations um, about all of that. And Nabil posted a video blog this week that really convicted me, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to kind of follow up that, that comment, that conversation with my own video. And so that's sort of what I wanted to do here. Um, he made some very interesting observations in his video blog recently that we who are in the theological and apologetics community, and I've, I've been part of that conversation now for almost 25 years, uh, we affirm miracles. We have no problem with the supernatural. Miracles in the past are frequently used as ways that we try to argue for the existence of God to unbelievers. We affirm the virgin birth. We affirm Jesus's miracles. We affirm the resurrection. We affirm our future resurrection. But it seems like some people in, I would say, especially in the, the field of theology and apologetics, kind of have a mindset that pursuing miracles today, that they're really in a, a posture of hesitation and even skepticism. And I thought that Nabil Qureshi's comments about this were interesting because they so paralleled, uh, paralleled my own thoughts but I had been too hesitant to say anything publicly about it. And um, I guess I kind of got some courage after watching his video last week because it does surprise me how strong of a reaction I get from people who uh, are in the realm of theology and apologetics that are just so 
um, skeptical about miracles happening today. They're, they're hypothetically open to the idea of miracles, but they're very um, skeptical about anything revolving around actually going down that path. And I've had some very interesting conversations with this about people, largely because of experiences in my own life recently. And, you know, even though there's really no clear teaching in Scripture that we should no, not expect healing and miracles, except for this verse in, in 1, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, it's often thrown about that, you know, like at some point um, tongues will cease and, and miracles will cease. But personally, I think that in the context, you can easily make the argument that that's talking about the eternal state, when of course we won't need tongues or miracles because we'll all be glorified and we'll all have perfect understanding. But um, I am coming to believe that this hesitation that so many people in the realm of theology and apologetics have about healing is mostly a doctrine that and a practice based on um, our personal experience, the fact that we haven't actually witnessed very many healings. And it's not actually based on scripture as much as we think it is. It's more of just a common mindset. And there is this weird thing that I've noticed that, yes, we affirm miracles. Yes, we affirm the supernatural as Christians, but we kind of live almost like we're practical naturalists. And we don't really have an expectation of God intervening in a miraculous way in our lives. Do we pray for miracles? Yes. You know, we start prayer chains, we start Facebook pages of praying for miracles, but I don't see that many Christians actually live in a, in a posture of expectancy that there will actually be miracles. And, and I think that those are two very different very different mindsets. Um, so I would say that many Christians believe in, in healing in theory, but very few people have actually seen a miracle. And I think that there's this, this concern that many Christians have that expecting a healing is sort of arrogant. Because what if it's not God's will to heal the person? And, you know, this, is, this was always my mindset as well. I, I really honestly thought that most charismatics were just Kind of strange and they came off to me as being extremely arrogant um, but about two years ago something happened to me where I was dramatically healed and some of you know this if you go on my YouTube channel it's not exactly a secret but um, I was healed from multiple mental illnesses and that's been over two years now and since that time, and I, I really had to wrestle after that with like, how do I make sense of this? Because I have never seen a dramatic miracle like this before. And how do I make sense of the fact that I've never heard of anybody ever being healed of mental illnesses? And then after that time, then I started seeing more and more dramatic miracles. And I'm trying to figure out all right, what's, what's happening? You know, I'm trying to make sense of the theology and the experience and how does this all fit together? And, and from what I've seen in the last couple of years, it seems like the more that people press in for miracles, the more they tend to see. And people who don't press in for the miraculous, surprisingly, 
tend to not see miracles, a few if, if any. And I've had several inquiries just in the last week from people who are extremely intrigued by my testimony and they're wanting more information about healing. And, and most, I think all of them in the last week have been people suffering from mental illnesses. And these are people that are extremely desperate for answers. And one of the great struggles I've had in my life in the last two years is how do I talk about this? Because I can't tell people like, hey, there's always a miracle for you. But at the same time, I don't want to tell people God doesn't really do this, don't have an expectant posture because I've seen a few people get healed now, for, completely healed from mental illnesses. And I, I'm just in my own journey of trying to, to make sense of all of these things, but I really think that a lot of our actual hesitation about healing on the non-charismatic side of things is that we who are not charismatic tend to be very turned off by the excesses that we see from charismatics. But for the last two years, as I've tried to make sense of my own journey, I've been trying to set aside my own prejudices about along these lines and really try to understand the movement of the supernatural ministry movement, uh, what you might call the neo-charismatic stream of Christianity. And instead of reading books about it, books condemning it, websites condemning it. I've really tried to understand the movement as an insider. And I've tried to get to know these people. I've taken some online classes from, um, from them and watched oh, probably a couple hundred of hours of teaching from various supernatural ministry um, leaders. And I have to tell you that Honestly, as a theologian, there is a lot to appreciate here. Um, and my, the, my reformed self from 10 or 15 years ago is probably like, what are you saying? But really, I have found that there is a lot to appreciate in this stream of Christianity. And as somebody who's w been working in the realm of theology and apologetics, I've always had a posture of that's just excessive. I don't want to look at that, that sort of thing. But when I took the time to really try to understand what these people are teaching and what they're saying and look at their, their reasons for this and their, their biblical reasons for this, I actually found a lot to appreciate, and it changed my attitude. And um, there is some good things happening there, and there is some good theology being done. Now, that said, there's also some bad theology. There's also some kind of sloppy theology that sometimes I sort of want to help these people a little bit. Um, and there's also some downright weird stuff, and there's no two ways about that. But, you know, I've had to endure some of that to try to understand the movement as a whole because I think there's this tendency in the realm of theology to just condemn everything that we don't understand or that looks weird uh, because that's sort of what we do. I mean... Can we just agree that, you know, if you want to get a demon cast out of somebody, the, the first phone call you're making is not to the local Bible college to try to uh, find someone to cast out demons. You're, you're probably trying to call your local charismatic church because they might know a little something more about it than, than the Baptist church. And I think that that's kind of sad. And my views about this are still 
evolving and, and I'm still growing in my understanding. But I've at least switched to a posture of, hey, you know, like there's some interesting and good things happening here. And let's not fall into a, an offense and condemning the whole thing. Um, and in my view, when Nabil Koresh goes on there and he, on YouTube and he says, you know, hey, I'm praying for a miracle and I went to Bethel and, and people are like freaking out on YouTube about this. I'm like, what? Why are we so hesitant about talking about miracles? As if like all miracles all belong to the charismatics. I mean, shouldn't that, I think there's some, some biblical reasons that I've outlined extensively in other teachings to think that that ought to be the birthright for, for every Christian. Now, that's not to say I have all of those answers. I don't know why God heals some and doesn't heal others. I don't know the answer to that. But I've learned not to let my not knowing the answer to that question to keep me back from pressing in for miracles for people because um, sometimes the Lord really does want to heal people in a very dr dramatic and supernatural way. And I'm up for that. I'm up for that uncomfortable conversation. Right now, I'm in a conversation with a very close friend of mine, and her sister has terminal cancer. And I'm believing in that miracle, and I'm praying and interceding for that, and I've been going through a process of that. Has the healing come yet? No, it hasn't. That's been tough for me. So I don't know the answer to that question, but what I find is that non-charismatics make that question of why does God heal some and not others like the deal breaker for I am not going to press in for miracles if I don't know the answer to this question. And what I've noticed is that many Christians use their own understanding of things to kind of be the, the line, the end of their faith. It's like, well, my faith goes as far as to the things that I understand, but if I don't understand something, then I'm not going any farther with that. And we kind of inadvertently make our theology and our understanding and our construct of theology sort of the container of our faith. And one of the hard, hard lessons, humbling lessons I've had to learn in the last two years is that I had the perfect theology. I taught the class on angels and demons. I taught the class on the Holy Spirit. And I had a lot of stuff wrong because... God came in and he intervened and he intervened in ways that did not fit my theology and it grew me and it stretched me. And so, yeah, is there weird, some weird stuff, some bad theology in the charismatic tradition? Sure. But I would say there's also some bad theology in some non-charismatic traditions. We could have that conversation. But in my view, what I'm always trying to go for is how can we listen to each other more and condemn each other less. That we're in the body of Christ and, and we want to be in unity. And real unity means that we've got to take the time to try to understand each other. And that's really the process that I've been in in the last two, two and a half years. I think it would really help out if charismatics would do more to promote the idea of testing the spirits. As an, as an insider the last couple of years in being with charismatics a lot, I have noticed that there is a strong disdain for testing. Anytime people try to bring up the idea of testing the spirits, charismatics will typically respond, that's legalism and it, you should just trust that the Father loves you and he's gonna protect you and he's gonna send you a message and testing isn't really looked upon as being a virtuous thing. And I can't tell you in my prayer ministry how much deception of spirits that I see 
And let me tell you, evil spirits can send you pictures. They can send you prophetic words. They can, they can mimic many things that the Holy Spirit does. Testing the spirits is vital. And that's why I have a whole teaching series about um, learning how to do that sort of spiritual testing and discernment. I think that charismatics would do well to do more to bolster that their side of the argument. I think that they would make mean, more meaningful progress with non-charismatics if they would promote the idea of testing the spirits more. Also, in the realm of the whole supernatural ministry world, the whole world of healing and deliverance and supernatural ministry and all that stuff, I see a troubling pattern of disdain for the body of Christ in the supernatural ministry stream. There is a lot of leaders in that stream that uh, criticize the church. And if the body of Christ isn't practicing these certain spiritual gifts, they, they'll, they'll leave the church. They'll leave their local church body. And I just don't see that as being a solution to anything. If you're griping, I mean, I go on Facebook and I see these posts by, by people and they're, they're just, just blasting their local church. And I'm thinking, really, guys, is this really what we want to be doing? Because, look, I'm the Baptist girl. My pastor is watching this right now. I mean, look, our point is not to criticize everyone who's not doing things exactly the way that we're doing them or is walking in the same revelation that we are. We have to give other people their space to be in the space that they're in, that the Lord has them in. And it's not any of our business to tell them how to be. That's God's business. And my husband and I, when we pray for people, we don't expect them to be like us. Our job is just to love other people. And if we pray for somebody, we want them to see our love first. We want to be about love first and to be an agent of transformation to show another way of being. But if, if my husband and I were to leave our church because they're not doing ministry the way that we think it ought to be done or in, in the fullness of what it ought to be, then where does that leave our local church? Where does that leave all of those people that, that we have grown to love and all of those people that we have invested in? Well, then they don't have anybody there. As a, as a voice to show them other things. And I'm robbing myself of learning from them. It's like saying, well, I'm just kind of better than you, and I know better than you, and I don't need you. Well, I don't know. The Apostle Paul seemed to have something to say about that, about like body parts, one body part saying to another body part, I have no need of you. I really do not understand why there are so many people in the, the stream of Christianity that are what I'm calling neo-charismatics or supernatural ministry that are so against the local church and pronouncing all of these word curses on social media about their local church and their pastors. Look, if your local church isn't into the supernatural, but you are, and you, you've sown into that and God's given you that anointing, great, go do it. Be a, a stand of love in your church. If you're loving people the right way, they're not going to care about your supernatural ministry views. They're just going to want to be attracted to the love that you have and that you can be a voice of transformation. I, it's sad to me that, that there's so many people that are in kind of an offense 
with the body of Christ. Christ loves his body. We're his bride. And so we want to be part of that effort of transforming and, and um, helping to cleanse the bride and prepare it for the, the return of Christ. <clears throat> so when we're talking about unity. That's kind of on the charismatic side of the equation. On the non-charismatic side, I think that we who are not charismatics need to do more to understand what the Bible actually teaches about healing and deliverance. And it's very close connection to evangelism. When we start having conversations about the kingdom of God, if we don't understand how missions is connected to demonstrating and proclaiming the kingdom of God, and that part of that demonstration is understanding um, how to pray for the sick and how to cast out demons, then we're missing an, a very biblical component to our message. And that's just missions 101. And I don't think that charismatics have like cornered the market on that. I don't, I don't see that there's anything inherently contradictory about that for um, non-charismatics. Um, I think I, I've outlined those arguments elsewhere in, in detail the uh, biblical case for that. So I won't rehearse that here, but uh, we don't want to have a truncated gospel where it's just um, only the proclamation because everywhere throughout the gospels, bringing the kingdom of God or what we call missions today involves both the proclamation and the demonstration of the kingdom of God. So it's the social justice, the helping the poor, the sex trafficking, all of those things are great issues that are connected to the kingdom of God but there's this other component of getting people free, getting people saved, getting them cleansed, getting them healed that God wants to do too. And I've seen enough of that to know that, yeah, God, God doesn't want to just forgive people's sins. He wants to help transform their lives. And um, I cover all of those things in detail in my teaching series, Ministering Like Jesus, if you want to check that out. So again, I don't have all the answers, but I'm learning, I'm trying to take steps of faith to go new places. And I hope that you'll join me. Um, one of the things I've learned in this journey is that prior to two and a half years ago, I actually, I thought I had great faith because I was a theologian and I was in the realm of apologetics. And I realized later that I actually had very weak faith. I actually had very weak faith. Because what I didn't realize is that my faith was really all based on what I thought I could understand. And when I took the steps to start stepping into things that I didn't understand is when my faith really started to grow. And there's a lot of things I don't understand. But I don't let the fear of not understanding keep me from stepping into it. And that's what I see so much of in my realm of, of theology and, and that realm that I'm in so much of the time is that people think that faith is basically what they can understand. It's the case that they can make for the supernatural. I'm no longer satisfied with making a case for the supernatural. I want to live in the supernatural and I want to live as the apostles. I don't understand how it all works. Again, I don't understand why God doesn't heal everyone. I don't always understand what's happening in the spirit realm, but I really want to know more and I'm willing to take those risks. And so I'm kind of inviting you into that conversation too. And 
For my brother, Nabil Qureshi, I've been praying for you. If you do happen to watch this video, I want you to know that I am actively praying for you and trusting and believing with you in a miracle to heal you from cancer. So I love you, brother. I don't know you. I've never met you, but, uh, you know, we work at similar ministries, and, and I just want you to know that there's a lot of people pulling for you and uh, um, really praying that the Lord will bring you complete restoration because there's a lot of kingdom work that needs to be done and we need you to be a part of it. So anyways, I want to thank everyone for watching and I look forward to your comments. Thanks. Bye.